Just a few days ago, my youngest, who turns four this week, came up to me and she saw me and she said, Daddy, you're bald. I said, yes. She goes, I like it. I said, well, thank you. She goes, it's funny looking. So in case you're wondering, yes, I'm bald. It was a mistake. A bad haircut gone horribly wrong. And this is what I'm left with, which actually... Uh, leads me to a great uh, illustration for how to begin this morning in the sense that I'm guessing to some degree, and there's probably a very high percentage even in this room that are looking for new starts, new beginnings. And each and every one of us, to various degrees, have our own regrets and our own mistakes. We have our own history and our own past, and there are moments to which we look at and we say, oh no. And the great news, especially in a morning like this, is you can start over. You can begin again, and if I can, you can shave it all off and start over. How do I know this? Because of our text, John chapter 21. And in my humble opinion, for whatever that is worth, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, are some of the most hopeful verses in all of Scripture. They are some of the most hopeful words in all of humankind. And it's John chapter 21, a scene that I want us to pay attention to this morning between Jesus and a man named Simon Peter. Here's what you need to know. Jesus died. He was murdered on the cross, and as Roger so put it uh, so very well this morning in our communion time, Jesus willingly gave himself up to the authorities of Rome and to the church, to the Jewish leaders, to be crucified. He was nailed on the cross as a criminal, though he did nothing wrong. He was treated as one who did wrong things, and the only thing he was doing was thinking of you and me. Going to the cross for the mistakes and the problems and the sin of my very own life. Going to the cross to cleanse us. To make us new. And what seems like logical end of the road kind of stuff, say being hung on a cross and dying, was not the end of his story. John chapter 20, a beautiful passage of scripture, accounts this risen Jesus, where death could not hold him any longer. He was raised from the dead. New life, new hope, new possibilities come in John chapter 20. But it's here in John chapter 21. It's here between the risen Jesus and the fallen Simon Peter that we find hope. Verse 15, John chapter 21. Jesus, before this, cooked breakfast for His disciples. And when they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me 
more than these. Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Verse 19. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is a conversation between the risen Jesus and Simon, son of John, Simon Peter, that can only take place if the tomb is empty. It is a conversation that is dipped in such fundamental, deep, life-altering meaning only because the tomb is full of nothing. And the risen Jesus talking to the fallen Simon Peter has such resonating to this very day depth because he is risen. And we find hope in this conversation. We find hope in what Jesus does. So, very similar illustration to a few weeks ago, but not everyone was here. I have a bag full of goodies. And in my bag are many different things. And I want us to think about the bags that you and I carry. Not the physical school bags that maybe you have, but I want you to think about the things of your life and of your, of your everyday living that you hold on to. The things that you carry that make you you, the things that you hold on to that you say, make me this. And so I have a bag full of things, clothing, phones, iPads, pictures of my family, jewelry boxes, even got my Bible here, my wallet, remote control, computer, magazines, camera, what else do I have in here? Watch, tickets to a ball game, very valuable, all kinds of things. And, you know, for each of us, our bags are going to have different things. And for each of us, we're going to carry under our bags the different things that we find value in, right? 
These are the things of our everyday lives to which they mean something to us because we find not only value but identity in these kinds of things. And it was a wonderful scene yesterday on our property. We own nine and a half acres, just catty corner to here. And yesterday we had, I don't even know how many kids we had, but we had a lot of kids going after a lot of Easter eggs yesterday on our property. And it was a beautiful day and it was a wonderful scene as, as the pink Easter bunny said, go, these children ran for all the eggs and they had a great time picking up all these great goodies, right? And it's fun and it's, it's such age appropriate because it helps our children engage into the story to think about this entire resurrection thing, the impossible to which Bobby talked about in a very hands-on way. But here's the problem if we don't grow out of it. Is that we, just like our children, are looking for the things, the Easter eggs that we like. And so we go around our lives and we pick up. We think, oh, I got to look this way. I got to do these certain things. I got to have this. I got to be a part of this. This is so important to me. And even the things that you and I would say are incredibly valuable, we want to hold on to. They make us us. And we grab them and we hold on to them. And we take them, just like these eggs, and we put them in our bag and we hold on to them. And we keep them safe because they're ours. And we hold on to our bags and we walk around holding on to these things. And this is John chapter 21. Because Peter has his bag full of stuff. He has his life meanings and his somethings before him. And it's the somethings that John has to, uh, Simon Peter has to let go of. Just a few chapters before, Jesus has been arrested. John chapter 18. He's awaiting his time before Pilate in John chapter 18. It's night. The disciples have scattered. Peter has found himself with the crowds of people waiting for the crucifixions of the criminals on this weekend. And in John chapter 18, just as Jesus said it would happen, Peter three different times utters a phrase when he's asked about his association with Jesus. I am not. Hey, aren't you the guy that has followed him? Aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you one of those men who has walked with him for all these years? Aren't you that Peter? Three times. I am am not. Peter denies Jesus three different times. And if you go back, and I hope you do, and read John chapter 18, the third time that Peter denies being associated with Jesus Christ, the rooster crows, and Peter knows what he has done. He has allowed the somethings to break him. The things that Peter valued and held on to in this moment very much so was his safety. And he had, he had fear and anxiety and the crowd around him began to influence him. And Peter held on to his bag full of somethings. And here's what we have to understand. The somethings that we hold on to will break us. 
the things you and I think are valuable in this place, they will break us. The bag of somethings on Peter's back broke him that night in John chapter 18. They weighed him down so much so that Peter denies his faith. He pushes his belief aside. He says the things and the somethings that I hold on to are more important. In this moment, it broke him. It crushed him. It brought him down. And he has a faith crisis in John chapter 18. When I was a young kid, very young, I have very vague memories of this. But I remember being in my home, climbing up a bookshelf in my home, getting to the very top of this, especially as a child, a very... That seemed like a very tall bookshelf in my home. And getting to the top and realizing that I was going backwards with the bookshelf. And as I got to the top and I fell back, the bookshelf came on top of me and literally fell and crushed me down onto the ground. With everything else in the bookshelves coming down around me. My mother finding me underneath the bookshelf, crushed by all the things in the bookshelf around me. This is the somethings. You see, we think they're good and we think they mean something and we're going to hold on to them, but they'll break us. They'll pull us down and they'll hold us down and they will throw us to the ground and they will crush us. And we will find ourselves very much like Peter in a crisis. Because the some things can outweigh the nothings. They break us. And so... John chapter 21, you find a broken Peter. You find a Peter who has denied his Lord three times. Who held on to the somethings in his bag and said it was more important than the nothing that was to come. And so three times Jesus asked Peter on the shore of this Water, the end of a breakfast cooked by a risen Jesus. He asked him three times, do you love me? Now you may have heard a lesson in this area about John chapter 21. You may have heard in different ways of how John records the conversation by using different words for love. Different meanings or depths of the word love. In the first couple of times, it's true. Jesus, John records, asks Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you have agape love? Unending, unconditional kind of love. And Peter responds with phileo love, brotherly love. And it's the third time that Peter or Jesus asks, do you have phileo love, brotherly love for me? And Peter responds with phileo love. And I think there's a lot of credit to this kind of thinking that Jesus brings himself to the level that Peter is at and willing to have this conversation. But I think the grander and bigger point to what Jesus is doing in John chapter 21 comes straight from the empty tomb. It's not so much about the word choices. It's about the moment that Peter needs to get rid of the somethings. You understand, Peter? 
Three times you denied me. So Peter, I want to ask you three times, do you love me? Here what we have in John chapter 21, being one of the most hopeful passages of Scripture, in my opinion, is what it looks like to drop the somethings. What it looks like to be restored, to find purpose, to know who you are because of the empty tomb. And it's more about how Jesus asked it. It's the fact that Jesus is willing to talk to the guy who buckled under pressure and lost his faith and lost his moment and allowed the somethings to break him. This Jesus. This Jesus. This risen Jesus. This Jesus who lives when he shouldn't is willing to take us and the mess and the somethings you and I hold on to and he's willing to ask us, do you love me? John chapter 21 is hope because Jesus comes to the picture and Jesus, the risen Jesus, looks at Simon and knows that he has a bag full of somethings and he's telling and he's looking at him and he's saying, you know what? You can get rid of the somethings, Peter. You can lose it all. You can leave it all. You can drop it all and you can have nothing and the nothing is everything, Peter. Do you love him? Is God more than the somethings? Because the nothing is everything and it is full of purpose in our lives. It is the risen Savior who says, you know what, the stuff that breaks you and the stuff that brings you down, the stuff that crushes you and brings weight to you, the somethings that, that, that bring us astray in this world, it is the nothing that you need. And it is the risen Savior who says, you can carry a backpack full of nothing. And guess what? That is everything because it forms purpose. Notice what Jesus does. Notice what Jesus does in John chapter 21. He doesn't just restore him into his apostleship, into being a disciple. He's not just willing to have breakfast with Peter. He is willing to give him purpose. And it's only when Peter is willing to drop the somethings that he is formed with purpose. Twice, Jesus tells him to feed. Feed his lambs and feed his sheep. The third time, Jesus says he wants him to take care of his sheep. You know what Jesus is doing? It's more than just purpose. It's more than just understanding that you are going to do something. Peter, uh, J- Jesus is giving Peter his work. Peter, now that you have a bag full of nothing and you can leave the somethings, I want you to do exactly what I did. I want you to do what I did in this world and I want you to take care of and I want you to feed the forgotten and the lonely and the, and, and the helpless in this world. It's more than just leaving the somethings. It's about knowing that your nothing is your purpose. And are we willing? Are we willing 
to have nothing. Peter's a different person in this moment. He's not arrogant. He's not pushy. He is not someone who just pulls out the sword when he is ready. This Peter is willing to allow nothing form who he is going to be. Because this nothing tells us, tells him that new life and new purpose are here. So you may be wondering if a new start is possible. It is. Easter Sunday is a reminder that you can begin again and your source of all power, the purpose of your new life is found in the nothing that you carry. The hope of an empty tomb. It was several years ago. I was preaching in West Texas. I was going to school at the same time. And uh, so I was preaching full time, going to school pretty much full time. And uh, when we got to the end of our of my schooling, we knew um, we knew it was time to move on. And so many of my of my friends and my mentors, they all assumed that I would be going into another preaching position. The assumption was I would stay at the top, as some put it, and that I would be on a path towards being recognized, that I would work towards some kind of book, get on some kind of preaching circuit, I'd have some very popular podcasts of some kind, that there would be a known, I'd be a known quantity or person to many others. So, when I was offered a job that was not preaching and moving to a state that I never envisioned moving to before, I was curious to why God would do such a thing. Why would He want me to go from something to nothing to go from what I believe to be, well, popularity into, well, nothing. To go from a limelight to a background role. To go from being up front to someone that very little knew of. And here's what I discovered. That God needed me to understand that my something was breaking me. That my something was weighing me down and my something was not of Him and God led me to a nothing so that He could give me the something of the empty tomb. You see, without the nothing that I had to learn, without going from somewhere that I was told to be the, the top of the food chain, so to speak, into someone that was just part of a big machine, to go from that to that was to understand that my something doesn't matter. And that nothing is everything. And church, without that nothing, or without dropping my somethings, I would not be here today. God knows better than I do, and I am grateful, blessed to be a part of this church, 
and the future that we have because of the nothing that we are here for. Do not let Easter be something. Don't allow it. Don't allow it to be filled with your expectations and with your ways. And do not allow Easter to be something that makes you feel good. Allow Easter to be the nothing that forms you into the godly ways that which God has called each and every one of us into. Allow your Peter moment where you're willing to drop the somethings so you can carry the nothing that is the empty tomb. May we be people And may this church be a community that is full of nothing. Let's stand together and let's sing this morning.